Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of the JewishBoston.com podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Ulrich. Sadly, I'm again without my wonderful co-host, Jen Marmer. But for this episode, I am lucky to be joined by Laura Mendel, Executive Director of the Jewish Arts Collaborative, as we talk to Ariana Cohen-Halberstam, our very first guest, uh, who is the Artistic Director of the Boston Jewish Film Festival. This year's festival runs from November 9th through the 21st. Tickets are available now at at bjff.org. And uh, this episode, we're going to talk about some of the highlights of this festival. And because of who is on this podcast, we also get into some general culture as well. So I hope you enjoy. And please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, as that is how more people have access, um, the ability to see our podcast. And if you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at jewishboston.com. To the theme song. here with Ariana Cohen-Halberstam, nailed it, uh, the artistic director of the Boston Jewish Film Festival, back again. Um, she was the guest on our very first episode, and um, so we're going to be talking about the Boston Jewish Film Festival today. Uh, Jen Marmer, my normal co-host, could not make it today, so I have we have a very special co-host guest. Do you want to inter- introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. It's Laura Mandel from the Jewish Arts Collaborative, and obviously I'm a fan of this podcast, and uh, it's really fun to switch seats today. Yeah, this is going to be a cultural roundtable, so... We are fans of all things culture, except for, I don't know, let's say painting. No. No, I like painting. I'll cover that one. Painting's <laughs> fine. Anyway, I'm really excited to be here and, yes. and was proud to be the first guest on this podcast, so it's nice L- to be back. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we're, we're recording an actual podcast studio today, so I hope this sounds amazing to our you know 15 listeners that we have. So <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty cool here. I remember in our very first one, we asked a lot of questions about how a film festival is put together. I wanted to know, like, has it, has anything changed from your first year to your second year on how you put this all together and sort of how you picked what you were going to show? Well, I mean, not not particularly. I mean, I think the process was very similar. We get a lot of submissions, um, and I also this year, unlike last year, got to travel to a few film festivals um, around the world and pick out some films from those big festivals, which was awesome. And it's always really nice to get to watch films with an audience um, and see how they're reacting to it as opposed to the normal process, which is filmmakers submitting their films to me um, and I watch them alone in a dark room. So that's always really good. And a few of the films that are part of this year's festival were films that I selected from the Berlin International Film Festival in Tribeca. So they've been screened in some of the most prestigious festivals around the world. Very cool, very cool. Well, we'll get some of the data out of the way now. The The film festival runs from November 9th to the 21st. That's right. Um, sort of all over the greater Boston Jewish area, Noon, Brookline, Coolidge Corner, probably some, I'm assuming Somerville. Somerville. Of course, yep. always Somerville. <laughs> the Brattle, the MFA, we're, we're all over again. We're in 11 different venues. Nice. Not at the, the IMAX at the aquarium, though. Right. No, 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 no. Next Jewish up. IMAX films yeah. next up. Nope. nope. We're uh, waiting for you to make them, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> Those really, really heavy IMAX cameras that they have. Right. So <laughs> calling all filmmakers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Off the top of your head, how many movies in total you're showing? There's 43 films this year. Um, we just added our three surprise screenings, so brought the number up, um, and um, it's. Don't ask me to choose my favorite. All right. I'll, <laughs> I will not ask you the standard question of which one's your favorite. There are a couple I want to talk about first, and yeah. then we can 
Laura can jump in at any moment to talk about ones she's interested in. But mostly, I, I the the one that interested me sort of like, again these are sort of all tied. But the uh, the last laugh documentary and the Jerry Lewis, the man behind the clown, both fascinate me from a humor standpoint because. Laura and I have had this conversation about when Holocaust jokes are acceptable or appropriate. They're never appropriate, but like when, when it's okay to make a Holocaust joke, when it's not okay to make a Holocaust joke, and what is too far. Like what is the line on combining humor with the Holocaust? So I'm sort of excited to hear comedians talk about it. You know, professionals. Yeah, it's a really interesting question, and I don't know if you're right that there's never an appropriate time. I think these within this film, um, the the last laugh. There are lots of pretty funny jokes that are about the holocaust and and i think in the film they're they're appropriate so that's you know there's there's an interesting question though and then after i saw the film i was talking about it for months you know and and posing this question to other people though of course you know as, as interesting as my friends are about this topic um they're they don't have the same insights as rob Reiner and um mel brooks and sarah silverman and all the other wonderful people that are part of this film and um, the film asks the question, is it ever and when is it appropriate to make jokes about tragedy and specifically about the Holocaust, um, and turns to these really funny, really um, expert comedians and asks them that question. And at the same time, alongside these interviews, it follows a survivor who talks about how her own experience in the Holocaust and at concentration camps was sort of, she survived through humor and through sort of being able to laugh and how that really helped her through this through the horrific experiences of the holocaust yet she doesn't really find holocaust humor very funny so so for whom is it okay to make these jokes and to whom is it okay to make these jokes i'm really excited about that film and uh, the panel that will follow the film at our midfest event is going to be fantastic um james carroll the writer is going to be moderating the panel um with the director of the film, Fern Perlstein, and the producer, Robert Edwards, and also Rabbi Moshe Waldox um, from here in, in Brookline, um, who was the co-editor of the Big Book of Jewish Humor and was an advisor on the film. So it's going to be a really interesting and fantastic panel. I think I remember reading Mel Brooks talking about how, you know, instead of, like, he'll make Holocaust jokes, but he prefers to sort of make fun of Nazis instead of you know, making light of the Holocaust. And it, it'll be interesting to see if the, the sort of the generational difference between people of his age and like the Sarah Silverman age. And it's, uh, you know, because it's an incredibly hard topic to talk about whether you were alive while it was happening or not, or if you were directly related to someone. Like, I don't have any family members that I know of because we, we left, you know, uh, Poland before World War One, And so there's no sort of family connection mm-hmm. to me. So it's just this incredibly dark historical period that I had to study in grad school. It made me very sad. Made me drink a lot. The thing I always appreciate about Jews and humor is there's always this conversation of why are there so many famous Jewish comedians and people, you know, related to movies and film that are Jewish. And I think a lot of it is like if you can't laugh at yourself and if you can't laugh at life, you can't keep going. And I feel like whether it's the Holocaust or other things that have happened in the history of the Jewish people, I think not to be heavy here, but there's a lot of things we have to be able to laugh at. Absolutely. I mean, and, and funnily, like when I was looking at the program f- for the festival in its entirety, that film and also the Jerry Lewis film sort of helped even out a f- program that's really ex- the Jewish experience. I mean, a, from tragedy to comedy, being able to laugh at ourselves. Um, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, and I think regardless of, you know, whether the Holocaust is your family story or, you know, some other experience of tragedy is what you experience. Um, 
I think you can relate to that. They interview Chris Rock in the film too. His family, you know, are not Holocaust survivors, but deal with sort of the African American experience and and how can you make jokes about about that tragedy? Um, and you know Mel Brooks' old line about the difference between comedy and tragedy. Comedy is no tragedy. Sorry, <laughs> tragedy is. It's comedy plus time, com- right? No, no, no. So comedy is tragedy plus time. Comedy right? is tragedy is when I when I get a paper cut, and comedy is when you fall into a sewer and die. Yeah. That's the line. <laughs> Had to search for it. I just realized that the uh, the other movie I was wanting to ask about, the hashtag Holocaust, is only four minutes long. So. So this is an interesting little film. It was submitted to us. It's very different than anything else that we were showing. Um, and it was made by a filmmaker who happened to be scrolling through social media um, and saw the hashtag Holocaust and clicked on it and looked at what kind of things people are posting with that hashtag. And it's it's really just a shot of him scrolling the internet. And it's unsurprisingly very upsetting. Oh, I bet. Um, and we put it before a film called Keep Quiet, um, which also deals with sort of contemporary um, dealings uh, dealings with the Holocaust. And um, and this is a film that follows a man, it's a documentary, who was rising up in the Jobbik party, which is like the neo-Nazi party in Hungary. Um, and he was second in command and just as he was you know really at the height of his career it came out that his grandmother is a holocaust survivor and um he had no idea and his grandmother was still alive and has a number on her arm she was in auschwitz and he confronts her and she says you know i saw what was happening to you and i hoped it wouldn't go this far um and that really speaks to the experience of being jewish and particularly being a survivor in Hungary today. Um, this man, after discovering that, you know, obviously can no longer be a part of the neo-Nazi party and becomes an Orthodox Jew. Um, and the film follows him through this um, really interesting transition in his life um, and sort of asks the question of, you know, what's his story and how does he go from one extreme to the other? And I felt it really paired well with hashtag Holocaust in terms of looking at, you know, in a world where there's a real separation between survivors and the next generation, the third generation for sure, um, what does it mean? What does Holocaust mean to people? I remember reading about that story. It was fascinating. Yeah, like, it's a fascinating film. The Jerry Lewis, the man behind the clown. I'm, I'm so. I'm, it's a documentary about the movie that never came out, right? The it's a documentary about Jerry Lewis's life. It does touch on this movie. Um, yeah, which I think was they recently discovered parts of it yeah like b- b- parts of it sort of leaked onto the internet i think i don't know if yeah. it was like officially released but it's uh yeah that's i mean that's another thing right so like when we talk about um you said mel brooks you know made speaks of only wanting to make jokes about nazis and not about um and not about the victims of the holocaust um at the time that he was doing that people were very upset about the producers when it first came out so and I think he in some ways by doing that he paved the way for Sarah Silverman to make the jokes that she's making now. So um, you know, and Jerry Lewis's film, this film that um, Jesse's referring to, is a film that was about um, a clown at a concentration camp, and it was Jerry Lewis's Holocaust movie that you know I haven't seen it. Have you? No. Let's bit yeah, um, and it was you know I think at the time was just people wouldn't put it put it on a screen and. Um, and the question is, would a film like that come out today? If, if that film, is there space for it today? And what, is that, what does that mean, right? What does that mean in terms of how we deal with the Holocaust and our senses of humor, our sensitivities around, around these things? 
That was exactly the topic of conversation on Saturday when Mel Brooks performed in town and uh, they had a screening of Blazing Saddles first and the number one question that everyone wanted to ask was, could a movie like that be made today? And as he was talking about how they made it, how he basically kept being told, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. And he just kind of did it anyway. Mm. And, um, you know, it's this whole conversation of like, are there other movies that are doing that these days? And how does South Park compare? And like, you know, what is crossing the line? And like, sometimes good art has to cross the line, I think. Right. And then does it, but does it pave a road that's too wide? I, I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting question. And it's something that certainly comes up in these films. I mean, I think I think Blazing Saddles could be made today, like a Blazing Saddles this movie. It would it, just be an independent film. Like, it'd have to be sort of independently produced. Like, you couldn't get that through one of the actual studios. I mean, Mel Brooks had to lie. H- him and his producer had to constantly lie to, I think, Warner Brothers about what was actually in the movie. Well, and apparently they kept telling him he couldn't do things, and he just did it yeah. anyway. And I'm like, well, I guess that's persistence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then they made millions and millions and millions. So there you have it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I remember reading... Um, a story talking about uh, you know the tour he's doing for where he's showing Blazing Saddles in a multitude of different cities. Um, I think after the New York one, they were talking to him and ended up talking to the producer of of the film who helped him get through. And like part of the process is now like when you're making a movie for a big studio, you have to send them like dailies and whatnot. And they just didn't do that, and Warner Brothers just didn't pay attention. Hmm. Like now that like they would follow up on that, but it's um, if it wasn't for apparently like a really funny screening of the movie they did. Um, like it, they 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 had a chance to sort of cancel it there at the end, but didn't. Anyway, I love Blazing Saddles. It's a great movie. We've already <laughs> talked about it with Laura on the podcast already. Uh, it's a fantastic movie. But, Repeat. Yes. So those are some of the films coming up at the film festival I'm interested in. What I really want to know. Yes, I, know I always love in. this when Ariana says, "Laura, you're gonna like blah." I want to know what are the top two or three films I need to see. Oh, God. <laughs> you're really putting me on you, the spot. You, you're always good at this. Um, I think you'll really like One Week in a Day. Um, it's an excellent Israeli film. Um, it really stuck with me. The characters really stuck with me um, for weeks after I watched it. And that's really, for me, one of the ways that I select the films is what I watched, you know, 300 films for to select 43. Um, and what sticks with me a week later? What am I still thinking about? And One Week in a Day is so poignant. It's um, an Israeli film, um, very much an indie film style, um, about uh, parents the day after the shiva for their son ends. And um, the father goes back to the hospital to try to find the blanket that his son had left there. His son had died of cancer. Um, and he doesn't find the blanket, but he does find his medical marijuana, which he... How timely. <laughs> which he brings back and cannot figure out how to roll a joint. So he brings in the, na- the kid next door, not quite a kid, somebody who had been his son's best friend growing up and is now um, not really speaking to the family. Their families have sort of separated over the years. Um, and the two of them wander around Israel um, stoned and try to deal with getting back into life after the ritual of seven days of Shiva ends. Um, And it's a dark comedy. So, um, you know, it sounds very dark, but it's also a stoner comedy. So there's... um, A dark stoner comedy. (laughs) That sounds fascinating just like as a thing that exists in the world. So Sold. Who's coming with me? (laughs) It's fantastic. Um, And the the actor who plays the friend is uh, just was just won an Ophir Award, which is the Israeli Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. So, nice. uh, really special film. What else would you love? How do you feel about Argentinian films? 
Ooh, interesting. Tell me. Uh, the 10th Man um, is by Daniel Berman, and several of his films have screened at the festival before. Um, All In, I think, was the most recent one to have screened at the festival. Um, and he always does these family stories that take place in Buenos Aires. Um, and this one is about a guy who is living in New York and returns to Argentina after years of being away to this neighborhood called Once, which is the garment district in Buenos Aires and is a very Jewish neighborhood and very frenetic. Um, and he is looking for his dad. He wants to see his dad. And the whole time he's there, he can't find him. But his dad keeps sending him on these missions through other people. And his dad runs a charity in Once and slowly sort of allows this guy, Ariel, to fall into his footsteps and maybe hopefully return to Argentina. And there's a romance there. Um, and it's really the sensories of the film is just incredible like you really feel like you're in this neighborhood um, you're smelling it you're hearing it um, I I loved it and as always I think you'll love the short films um, I always do and I know you've seen some of them so teaser um, alert I am on the jury and it's one of my favorite nights of the year yeah. and I am particularly excited about a really short one speaking of four minute shorts I think people are either going to think I'm a genius or insane for loving this one. But... So you better come and judge Laura. Yeah, come and judge me. I want all your feedback. Watch The Cabinet Decision. It's a four-minute animated short that I just think is genius. And you can judge me all you want. I want feedback. <laughs> I think one of the things that's really cool about the Fresh Flick Short Film Competition this year is... Um, the diversity in kinds of films. So we have this animated short that Laura just talked about. And then there's also um, another animated film, which is a documentary, which is really cool. And then two other documentaries, a comedy. I mean, there's really a range. These are all short films. There are six of them. And there's such a range of filmmaking there. It, it almost sounded like you said there was an animated documentary. Which yep. would, so wait, how does yeah. that exactly work? So this is a really cool film um, called The Brother Mike Tapes. Um, and this guy had recorded his dad um, in his room uh, for years he would record his parents talking and he just animated a little snippet of his dad yelling at him to clean his room and it's I think it's really brilliant and the 80s references are fabulous nice yeah you'll love it it's like a more Jewish ready player one uh, kind of exactly yeah <laughs> first of all I, I want to know if Laura actually has like an actual opinion on Argentinian film or if you're just rolling with it at that point no, I, the thing I actually really love about this festival, honestly, is that it exposes you to films that you might not otherwise see. It's not all mainstream American. It's not all Israeli. I think it's really interesting how there's really a diverse array of films from throughout the world. Um, and on top of that, I find it fascinating that the um, Israeli films over the past few years have really upped their game. And I think there's some really interesting things coming out of Israel um, in general. But I also just really like that there's a lot of opportunities in different languages and like whether it's subtitles or whether it's just like a different sensibility I really love getting a sense of the world from a Jewish lens through these different films I just think it's a really cool way to see the world in a way you wouldn't otherwise see absolutely and I mean we have films in Hebrew of course and then French and Spanish and Hungarian and Polish and Arabic I mean so you really can travel the world through a Jewish lens um, by visiting 11 different venues. I mean, just stay in the Boston area and, and you've gone around the world with us. Transitioning to a very specific one of these films, which it's not actually a film, it's a series of cartoons, the, um, the Max Fleischer's sort of tribute event. 
I'm very excited about. Yeah, this. I mean, <laughs> so uh, it's 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 happening at the Cool Corner Theater on November 10th at 6:30 p.m. It's got it's a, it's a guitarist and a pianist. A guitarist and a singer. And singer. actually, I should point out we're doing this one together with Jay Art. So um, synergy. So, yeah. I'm biased, but it's really going to be great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is going to be great. And, you know, it's been really fun tracking down 35 millimeter prints of uh, Betty Boop cartoons and Coco the Clown. Max Fleischer um, was a cartoonist. You probably will recognize the Fleischer Brothers logo from every old cartoon you've seen, um, who, you know, is an immigrant to America. Um, he actually spent a short time working here in Boston um, doing cartoons for an advertisement company. Um, and then went back to New York, and he and his brother started Fleischer Brothers. Um, and they made a lot of the cartoons that you're most familiar with, uh, Betty Boop, Popeye, Coco the Clown, um, among others. And we are going to be showing several of these together with a program that Gary Lucas, who's a guitarist, um, designed around these films, sort of using these films as an inspiration to create music of, in this style. Um, so in between screenings of these cartoons, you'll get to hear Gary Lucas and Tamar Korn, the singer, um, performing these songs that he'd written. Oh, so he's, he's not, he, he didn't write music for the cartoons themselves. It's not like a... No, he would be very old if so. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> I meant like, did, did, I thought maybe like he had made new music oh, for it. Oh, got it. <laughs> no. Um, no, so you get to hear the original music okay. of the cartoons, which is also uh, fantastic and really fun, really, really fun. Inspired by. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And if you want a little teaser, I can say go to the J Arts website or to the Film Festival website, um, and there's a little um, cartoon short called Boop for President. And I will just say this. It is a little too timely, um, and everybody should watch it because it's really quite amazing. Yeah, and we're screening this. It's a six-minute clip of Betty Boop for President, um, and it's a much longer cartoon, which you can see the whole thing of if you come on November 10th. The, the the co-presented and sponsored lists are just like a list of past guests of the JewishBoston.com podcast. So <laughs> we had Barnett like two episodes ago. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So the Vilma Schools also um, helping sponsor that one. So that'll be a fun one. Jewish uh, Boston, where we all come to meet. That's right. Yeah. That's that's sort of the point. So um, I'm trying to think more sort of... I know that th there's not really a theme other than, you know, Jewish films around the world, but like... Have you found between like last year and this year sort of are there like different ideas that sort of sort of naturally appear in these in the groups of films that, yeah. that you choose? You know, it's interesting because you sort of get a sense of like what the world is thinking about through curating these films. Um, and I think many of them um, deal with the question of how do you take your Jewish identity or your Jewish experience and bring it into the world outside of the Jewish world. And, you know, um, for example, we're showing a film called Moose, which is a, which is spelled like moose if you're looking for it. Moose if you're looking for it. Um, M-O-O-S. It's a film from the Netherlands um, about a Jewish girl who wants to be a singer and a dancer. Um, and she's Jewish and she's from a Jewish family and she goes to audition at the university and um, sings a Hebrew song. And, you know, it has nothing to do with her, you know, with, she's not applying to a Jewish program, but she brings this Jewish identity into the world and um, sees how people react to it. Um, and I think a lot of the films sort of deal with that. Um, the Origin of Violence is another film where um, this man has been experiencing sort of fits of rage and he's a professor and he's not Jewish and he's French and he goes to Buchenwald and he finds a photograph of someone who looks very much like his father um, and begins to uncover this history and it turns out that his um, 
great, his uncle was actually um, a prisoner in Auschwitz, in Buchenwald, um, and he um, learns a lot about himself and how he's relating to the world because of his Jewish origins. And um, and I think that that's something that you know many of us deal with is how do we how do we take our Jewish identities out into the larger world? Um, and I think this festival sort of shows the way other people are dealing with that. Do you have any questions, Laura? Well, I, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm so inspired by the fact that we're sitting in this podcast studio, and I see that you guys are doing something totally new and different this year with a podcast recording of Rana and Beverly, and I'm really intrigued by this. Can you tell me about it? Yes, for all you podcast listeners, uh, come to the Rana and Beverly podcast recording at Somerville Theater on November 21st. This is the first year that we're doing a podcast taping. It's also the first year that we're doing a closing night for Fresh Flicks. So it's going to be a really fun event. Um, and Ron and Beverly are uh, the they're two comedians, really, um, who take on this persona of Ron and Beverly. Um, the comedians themselves are from this area. Uh, one's from Newton and the other is from Swampskit. And I'm pronouncing that correctly, right? We had a whole conversation <laughs> about the pronunciation of towns, so I just find it endlessly yeah. amusing. I'm learning. I was as a, as a, Oh, yeah, maybe that's better. Uh, I was calling you Swampscott and told that I was very yeah. wrong. I also have to say I feel a bit like inferior here because Ron and Beverly are so funny and they really put on like a whole shtick and act, and I feel so boring right now. Well, next time we'll come in costume. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so they, they are the personas of these two women, and they pretend to be middle-aged Jewish mothers uh, from the North Shore and they're hysterical and they do interviews and they just chat about life and dispel advice um, and I really recommend giving them a listen um, beforehand and then getting your tickets and coming over to Somerville Theater. It's going to be really fun. They should do a crossover episode uh, with um, the Oh Hello People, um, the two the two comedians who dress up as old, I'm guessing quasi-Jewish men, and, you know, um, they have a Broadway show now, so yeah. good for them. But Genius. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, sadly, I'll be out of town for this, but I'm definitely going to listen to it and catch up on some other episodes, because uh, this is not the first time this podcast has been recommended to me. Oh, good. <laughs> so. I, you know, I had discovered it, a friend had recommended it to me um, a few months ago, and I just binged on it, and then the next, a friend, another friend the next day had recommended it to me also, and... And I was like, wait a second, this is this is very Boston. We have to bring this here and make this happen. So I'm really excited that they're going to be a part of the festival. That's very cool. It's very, like, I mean, I'm biased because I love podcasts, but live podcasts are some of the funnest shows to go to because really you're just going to see a comedy show that you can listen to again later if you want to. And our live audience here. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Don't you hear the applause? Yes. <laughs> I'd kill to do a live show. That'd be amazing. But... Um, Gotta work our way there, Jesse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, the other thing that we're doing that's really cool this year is we're bringing two Israeli TV shows. Um, it's a program that we're calling TLV TV, um, and I recommend them both really highly. It, you know, Israeli TV has become a place that American producers are looking um, when they're thinking about new shows for us. Um, Shtisel, for example, um, we're showing season two, but I think you can really just jump in at any point. Um, season two, episodes one and two of this show, which is about an ultra-Orthodox family in Israel and Jerusalem. And um, it really ranges in generations from the grandmother down to the great-grandchild. Um, and the main character is this guy named Akiva, who is this artsy guy who you know is deciding between getting married and sort of buckling down and being a painter. 
it's so good and it's actually going to be adapted for American TVs pretty soon. So um, if you want to see it before it's Americanized, come see it with us. Um, the other show that we're showing is called The Writer. Um, it's Saeed Kashua's new show. He's the creator of Arab Labor, which screened at the festival a few years ago. Um, and this one is about somebody who's the screenwriter of Arab Labor. So it's very self-referential, um, but not named Syed. Um, and he's sort of dealing with what his identity is post-Arab labor, um, where people look at him as the character and sort of see him as the upstanding Arab-Israeli citizen and who is he really um, and what is his identity within Israeli society. Going to that other TV show, was it, is it Schitzel? Schitzel, yeah. Schitzel. How, how is it being adapted for American TV? Like, I'm guessing they're not still going to be Orthodox Jews. So I don't know that much about it. My understanding is they probably will. I mean, I think... I, I th- think I heard that it was going to take place in New York. Huh. Um, I mean, that makes sense. But we'll, we'll see. All right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's we also learned this year that um, Zero Motivation, which screened at the festival two years ago, is being adapted um, by Amy Poehler. So a lot of Israeli stuff is is getting adapted in interesting ways for American yeah. TV, and I'm excited it, to see how. It's that good Jewish humor and sensibility. Yeah. No well, one can resist. <laughs> we also ran out of British things to steal. So. Right. <laughs> it's true, moving on. Yep. What's next? Yep. <laughs> Wait, I do have one other question, because I'm looking through the brochure and listening to you. I mean, this sounds awesome, and I want to go to everything, but I see something that I've never noticed before. BJFF Jr. Yeah, so this so is a new thing. tell me about it, yeah. Um, BJFF Jr., we have a really fun, family-friendly, um, Israeli film this year called Abu Lele. Um, Abu Lele is a legend that I think anyone from Jerusalem knows about. It's a monster who haunts Jerusalem. Um, and in this film, a kid who has no friends and his parents are sort of too busy to deal with him ends up meeting Abu Lele in his basement. And he is at first terrified and then learns that Abu Lele is a friendly monster who just likes sugary soda. And he, Lots of Fanta. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and who only reveals himself to kids who are lonely. Um, and together with Abu Lele, he begins to you know, come out of his shell. And also, um, he ends up having to protect Abu Lele because there's a, um, a government agency run by a guy who had seen Abu Lele as a kid and then felt abandoned by him and is now trying to ruin the monster, you know, get rid of all the monsters from Jerusalem. And um, so he has to come together and, and help Abulele survive. Really, really acute film. I recommend it. It's fun for all ages and um, and for you know there are subtitles. So, but if your kids comfortable reading subtitles, I'd say ages eight and up. Um, really acute film, and we're showing it with a little short beforehand, an animated short. So, a full cinema experience. I mean, there are so many amazing movies. We can't go through every one because the, the podcast would be like three hours long. But um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm very curious for the eight-minute documentary about the 90-year-old woman having trying bacon for the first time. That should be a fun. That'd be a fun little. Uh, I mean, like, I, I know where the. I, I think I know where the pu- the punchline of that documentary is going, but I think it'd still be fun fun to experience that for for somebody. It's a great. It's a great short film. It was, you know, it was. Um, it won awards around the world. It was at Sundance. It was at the Toronto International Film Festival, and the director won second place at the short film competition last year at the Boston Jewish Film Festival. Um, he was the director of the zombie Noah's Ark film. Oh, that was crazy. This guy's awesome. That was the film where we were like, we think everyone's going to be totally freaked out, and everyone loved it. Yeah. So he's Fantastic awesome. film. And this also integrates some animation together with um, just the documentary of this woman and 
Um, that screening is part of our short film program, which we're calling Pushing Boundaries. And it's a lot of films of people sort of going past that fine line. In fact, one of the films is called The Fine Line. Um, it's an Israeli short about a girl who's um, a woman who's an actress and in a sex scene and um, figuring out where her own boundaries are. Um, we're also showing it together with a film called Women in Sync, which is a fantastic, fantastic documentary about, um, oh, the documentary is made by a filmmaker named Irasaki, who puts herself in interesting situations. Um, here she takes a job as a, um, a hair washer at a salon in Haifa, which is the most integrated Israeli city, a Jewish Arab, and she goes with the idea of interviewing Jews and Arabs about their experiences. Um, she puts a camera above the basin where you wash hair and just speaks to people when they're in this very intimate um, and very open situ you know, situation. Um, and it's fascinating to hear what these women have to say. They've been going to the same Arab and salon for years, decades. Um, and finally, the last film in that program is going to be the winner of the short film competition. So we don't know what it's going to yeah. be, but I can promise you it's going to be a great one. I'm, 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 I think I think I'll end on this personal question. So when was when was the deadline that you had at, when, when you had when you're done watching all those 300 movies that you decide what was going to be in this? And how soon after that did you go to see a regular movie? <laughs> <laughs> and what Never. was that movie? <laughs> so I think the deadline was the end of July um, and because I have to say I, I wasn't done watching Jewish films because we had three surprise screening slots um, which we just finalized um, a few weeks ago and we just announced last week so um, this weekend I watched a few um, non-Jewish films <laughs> on Netflix I watched Mustang I don't know if you've seen it the yeah. Turkish film fantastic um, I saw I watched Fort Tilden, which was on Amazon Prime. <laughs> oh, I haven't watched that yet. I it's need to. It's fun. Um, and I watched one other movie this weekend. Oh, I finally watched it. I'd seen parts of it, but I watched um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Have you seen that? I have not. Um, it's an Iranian <laughs> vampire movie. Th these are all still more, <laughs> more serious than I was hoping for. As a, as no, an, they're as all a, really fun. Yeah. They're just all foreign. Yeah. I, I figured you had like cleanse yourself, you know. Funny after all foreign. This. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, you're right. I need to watch yeah. like you, the Avengers or something. You're like yeah. <laughs> nah, I you know I started watching part of one of the Avengers movies last night, kind of by accident, when it was just randomly on, and I was like, meh. Yeah. Avengers are great. Um, I did watch Transparent. I watched some TV. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah. Um, can I just say that could be a whole podcast? This season of Transparent is the most Jewish TV I have ever seen. Absolutely. And I'm obsessed. The last, if, for anyone who has not yet watched it, watch it and watch it all the way to the end because that yes. last scene of that show is... Unbelievable. But the Jewish moments, I mean, they're like seriously insider Jewish moments that most people who are Jewish have never even experienced. It's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, and you wonder sort of what it would be like to watch that show as a non and like what we're watching. That's all I can think when I watch it is what do people think if they're not Jewish? And what are we watching that we're not getting? Yeah, you know? Totally. This is a whole other podcast for a whole other day. Can I, revisit I this? have no <laughs> doubt there's probably podcasts out there just dedicated to Transparent. So probably going by we episode. Do we will Jewish be the angle. Jewish. Jewish yes. angle. Yes. I assume. Okay. <laughs> and we can talk about Big Bang Theory because some will say that that's the I most can't. Jewish TV show. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> All right. You're going to watch it and then we're going to catch up. Joey, Don't we're watch it. Jesse, we're going to revisit this. No. no. No one should watch the Big Bang Theory. No one should watch any shows on CBS until they get, until they get rid of the fake crowd noise. 
the, oh. the applaud. I, I can't stand laugh tracks. This is 2016. We don't need laugh tracks anymore. So what you're saying is take it's it out retro. right now. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I find Big Bang Theory a little insulting to nerds, but that's just that's a personal thing. That's a file on the internet. If you oh. want to, I want to have a TV episode. I think this is going to be interesting. Let's yeah. do a Jewish okay. Boston yep. TV. We will do it. We'll yep. do it. A TV Jewish episode. Boston TV. Roundup. I, I have a few more to toss soon. into the mix. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of Jewish. T- we can do Broad City. Oh yeah, yeah. And my friend, my friend Lisa Schwartz has a new TV show that's really awesome. Um, you know, she's gonna kill me that I can't remember the name of it. This is so embarrassing. You can look I'll it up find it later, and I will send it out to all of you. <laughs> um, we talk about the Jewish moments in The West Wing, of which there are quite a few. If you've never watched The West Wing, you should <laughs> all watch true. it because it's amazing. No, it's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I rewatch it every time I get super depressed about what's actually happening. So, oh. all right. So up next, Jewish TV. Yes, Jewish TV. <laughs> and Stay um, tuned. and I'll I'll let you do your spiel about where people can find tickets and all that stuff, so that you know I, it, it's accurate. Yeah, so bjff.org. That's Boston Jewish Film Festival. Bjff.org for tickets and trailers and uh, for more information about each of the films. Also, we're all over the social media: uh, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, um, Instagram. So find us there, um, and you can always call us up and ask for a print brochure if you want as well. Our phone number is on our website, bjff.org. Still don't understand Snapchat. Uh, I'll get there eventually. Probably not. <laughs> our cultural reporter, Ju- uh, Judy Bowen Fasman, wrote a piece about I, the film, fel- film fe- festival in general, but also about one uh, particular one that's towards the end. Try to remember the name of it. Yeah, she wrote about our closing night film, yes. um, among, among a few others, um, Who's Gonna Love Me Now. We didn't talk about it, but I'll briefly talk about yeah. it because it's a really special film. Um, it actually won the Audience Award at the Berlin Berlin Alley at the Berlin International Film Festival. Um, and it's such a personal story. I mean, it's really always amazing to me when people can open up on camera in the way that uh, the protagonist of this film does. Um, it's about a man named Sa'ar who... Um, grew up in an Orthodox kibbutz in Israel, um, and came out to his family, you know, in his twenties, and moved to London, um, and lived for many years in London, um, and is now HIV positive, and is considering moving back to Israel. And the film follows him thinking about this and this process, um, and also his connection, you know, revisiting his connections with his siblings who are Orthodox and his parents who come to visit him in London as he shows them his life there, um, and the struggle of sort of revisiting a place that you left, and it deals a lot with the question of home and relationships with family, um, and also um, he's a big part of the, a big part of his life is the London Gay Men's Chorus. So the whole music in it is fantastic. Um, really special. It's our closing night film. Um, so that's November 20th. That's the day before the Rana and Beverly. And then again, it's also screening at the Brattle um, the Thursday before that, I believe. Um, but the week before that, it's screening at the Brattle. Um, and for both screenings, um, Sarah's father will be there to talk about his experience with his son. So it should be a really personal and really special experience. Um, I hope you can make it to that one. Excellent. There's so many great films. I mean, they're all great, but like everyone has their own sort of different tastes and things that interest them. So go to bjff.org and, you know, check it out and uh, buy as many tickets as possible. So I want to thank both of you for coming. So as a, you know, Laura literally, you know, said she could come like three hours ago so this was <laughs> I was just helpful. really excited to be invited first of all I just love talking to Ariana and about all these films and to be at this studio is pretty cool so, yes. you know. so yeah. cool and it's so much fun yeah so thank you to the yeah thank you to the PRX uh, podcast garage for just existing really and um, 
Uh, thank you, Ariana, for coming and talk to me. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Ariana. Bye. Bye. I hope you all enjoyed our conversation with Laura Mandel and Ariana Cohen-Halberstam. If you want to know more about the Boston Jewish Film Festival, go to bjff.org for tickets and jewishboston.com for some great articles on the festival. I want to thank the CJP Young Adult Initiative as well as jewishboston.com for supporting this podcast. And please subscribe and give us a review on iTunes, please. It's so helpful. Um, Otherwise, have a great day, everyone. Shalom.